When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Yeah. I'm sweating. Yeah. In 2010, thought I was doing something. And now I'm rapping with a crew or something. I guess the track don't really stick unless he's blowing something. And I never fit the shoe until I do or something. Yo, bracing myself like teeth, boy, it's the same old route on some new concrete. But homie, these tones make you get a new ID. I'm trying to do my thing, but the commute ain't cheap. I'm on a two-day week for all this rap these days. And we can still pitch the track to all the wacky J's. We're singing happy days, wearing tacky J's. And I'm just pumped that I made it out my nappy face. Let's go. We can turn the whole world around. I'm in the backseat really trying to... Hey, y'all. To the OGs and new listeners alike, welcome. I am Brandy, one half of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast, and this is my indie episode and also my first one back since our mini break. Now, indie episodes are individual episodes Mikey and I record. It's a way for us to honor who we are as individuals and not just who we are as spouses. Episodes will drop every Thursday or Friday (laughs) for one of us with our thoughts about a random topic. So today is my turn and I actually just scrapped the whole thing I just recorded because I wasn't feeling it and it wasn't sounding right. So I think I should just talk to y'all. So originally I was going to do a a relationship check in with myself, but I, I just, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. Um, and I think if y'all would have heard it, y'all wouldn't have been feeling it either. (sighs) So i Instead, going to talk about some things or rather someone who has been on my mind. Her name is Aluatoyan Salau. And I have been thinking about her since they found her body back in June. And I wrote something about her on Patreon um, right before our break. And we talked about it on our Zoom call. Quickly, you know, we touched we touched on her death, but. We didn't we didn't go into depth about it because I had literally spent the whole day crying. It was it was so sad. Her death is so sad and it's deeper than sad. It's angering. And I have not been able to stop thinking about her since June. And maybe I just need to talk about that so that I can let it go or I can not let it go I think she's gonna be with a lot of us forever but I um maybe I just need to talk about it talk about her so Alua Toyin she her nickname is Toyin was Toyin and she was 
killed by a black man. She was a um, activist and dark skinned black girl, and she was out here in these streets protesting for black lives for black men, brutalized uh, and killed by police by police violence. And she really was out there for all of us, all black people. Um, but we all know that the Black Lives Matter movement, though it was started by by queer women, has, you know, largely been talked about when it concerns black men who are br- brutalized by police officers. And while they are statistically more likely out of the black people, black people to be brutalized by police, black women, especially trans women, also experience a lot of violence by police officers. And so anyway, I. She's been out here. She was out here protesting and I had seen her image floating around because she's been on camera. You know, she's been talking. She's been supporting and and speaking up when a lot of us haven't or a lot of us, you know, haven't been out here protesting. And so when we found out that she died, that was it for me. We literally took the break. We took the break then. (laughs) I think that was right at the at the beginning of our break. And I there are a lot of reasons why I feel like her death touched everybody and especially black girls because we, well, I can't speak for anybody else. I'll just say why her, her death really shifted me. I think that grief has a lot of ways. Grief does that to me. Um, I was shifted. I experienced a shift when my grandmother passed when I was in Ghana, I was by myself um, or at least I didn't have any of my blood family with me when I found out I was way across the world when everybody promised nothing would happen to her. And that shifted me. That changed something in me. And it took me three years to get back to some type of normalcy. Mike will tell you, because um, he was he was really great during those three years. Three years. I experienced a shift after the miscarriage. And that rocked me. And and blew up everything I thought I knew about what it means to be good and what favor is and my relationship with God. Um, and not in a bad way, in a transformative way, but still it shifted me. And her death really rocked me. And for a few reasons, and I'm not going off any notes, so excuse me if I'm rambling, but I, one, she was 19 when she passed and when she was killed. And I've, when in reading a lot of I'm reading a lot of responses to her death, I realized 19 is a big age for a lot of black girls. For me personally, and I think I've talked about this a little on the podcast, but 19 was when I finally told my mom about um, an assault that I experienced when I was a kid, and I hadn't told her for a lot of reasons. I think that deep down there was like maybe some distrust and maybe it wouldn't be handled in the way I wanted it to be handled. I also think that there was also some fear that she would handle it, which would, (laughs) which would leave us orphaned, (laughs) you know, or, you know, her locked up and us living with family. I did not want to live with. Um, I, maybe there would be some disbelief. Maybe there'd be some, I, I, I thought a whole bunch of things. So I didn't tell her, but I finally told her when I was 19 because I was about to go to go abroad to Ghana and I was really afraid of the flight and I knew I was going to be in this airplane forever. And if it, and if it fell out the sky, I didn't want to die with like this big secret. And so I told her, 
about it and I was 19 and she was 19 when she died and she was also assaulted um twice and I think what really broke me or shook me was reading her tweets about it about her assault and even in trying to um even in telling the guy the second guy that assaulted her the guy that she tweeted about about the initial assault like about her experiences with with being um assaulted sexually assaulted and a way to try to get him to like humanize her and to see her really just it just split me wide open and I, I no matter what I just couldn't stop crying and you know and I just felt so deeply for her because you could see how she just wanted to be treated well she just wanted to rest and she wanted justice too and she loved herself a lot or at least was trying to and spoke up and a lot of us never do <sighs> and she died she was killed by a black man and I just started thinking a lot about how many of us are killed by by black men even in a room in a country full of white men black men kill us you know and hurt us and harm us and all of my villains before college have been black and have been black men cis hetero black men you know men who identify as as men and who are in relationships with women who say they love women and it just felt so close it just felt so close too close and so it her death sparked a really big conversation in our house mainly I realized that I had to cut this shit out and when I say cut the shit out I had to stop lying to myself about um small ways that that sorry um when she died when we found out that she died that they had found her body it's like something clicked in me I was like I have to cut this shit out and I meant that I had to start being really honest with Mikey because we talk a lot about being radical in terms of how we want to raise Drew and how we want her to see herself and and love herself and be herself and I realized that I have been avoiding certain conversations with Mikey because he is a black man and because he really is good, you know? And I felt like I felt like I couldn't bring up certain conversations with him because he is so good and as a recovering pick me <laughs> pick me choose me girl. I um I didn't want to come off as nagging or bitter or angry or he calls it my man hating back but I think her death really just showed me that I gotta cut this shit out I owe it to myself I owe it to my relationship I owe it to how we want to raise Drew to be brave and so I told Mike that it hurts me when he says that I get that I have a man hating back because I don't I have a man fearing back I definitely have to my relationship with him definitely makes me confront my fear of men, especially black men, which makes me really sad because I love black men. I love black men. Even I, I love my abuser. You know, I love the person who assaulted me, the persons. And it's just I think it's just like the the plight and curse of being a black woman. I I feel like I inherently love black men. I also think black men are great and good and should be held accountable because that's also love and I told him that it hurts me when he says that and it also hurts me when he makes me qualify not all men because 
to be quite honest, Mikey is a rarity in my lived experience. Him being a good man is very rare. I don't know a good cis hetero man, not many. Um, the ones I do know are all queer, <laughs> you know, and even they stumble and fuck up. But I, I had never told him that. And y'all have heard enough episodes to hear him say this and to hear us laugh about it. And I've always, you know, wrote it off as a joke because he's also my friend. And I know that he doesn't mean to be malicious. He doesn't mean to silence me. Um, and I know that because of all the ways he gives me permission to speak or, you know, gives me the space to speak my mind, as y'all have heard on the podcast and off the mic before we even started the podcast, we talk. And I feel like in a lot of ways he sees me. But when he says those two things, it makes me feel like he doesn't. And I also never get to continue my. My thoughts <laughs> about why I am afraid or about why or how I've been harmed. Um, I always end up affirming him, consoling him that he's good, you know, and that's harmful and exhausting, especially in that context. But he was, as y'all can expect, widely receptive <laughs> to what I had been saying and had already been having thoughts about ways that he um could do better and could honor our relationship and honor me and that was really helpful and I I just I'm so sad I have not been able to stop thinking about her I'm so sad because um her death was wrong and she should still be here and I think a lot of us at least for me and like this really like <sighs> I guess selfish way I'm having some survivor's guilt because the piece that I wrote on Patreon was I used to be militant. I used to be just like her out here in the streets on Facebook, raising hell, <laughs> talking about race and racism, talking about black people. And I stopped because it started to ostracize me from my family. They told me I was too militant. I was too angry. Everything's not about race. I should be happy. Do I know what they would have done if, you know, they could have went off to college and, they could have studied abroad and, you know, it was they I, I, I was lonely. And so I silenced myself because I didn't want to be alone. And I became militant light, you know, and she was really out here doing the work and and died for it because she trusted black black people and black men to protect her. And. <laughs> That was not the case. So, and I don't know her. I never met her. Um, but I miss her, you know. I feel like it definitely feels like something's missing, you know, with her with her death. But I've also been um, just reminded to take action. So one of those things that, one of the ways that I've taken action or a few of the ways that I've decided to take action is one, start having these really hard conversations with Mikey in terms of, Having conversations with Mikey, he doesn't know that I haven't, that I've, that I've, that I've consciously avoided having with him, which is not, you know, that's a whole other thing. We'll talk about it on the podcast, but y'all know we love This Is Us. And there's a scene, this may be a spoiler. One of the Pearson kids finds out somebody's pregnant. <laughs> that person doesn't want to tell him. And she's talking to the doctor and, you know, she's like, he, he isn't ready for this. This isn't a part of his plan. She doesn't know this. She's mind reading. She's catastrophizing. She's fortune telling. But 
you know, she's also going based off what she has consistently seen with this Pearson kid. And she, um, the doctor goes, well, you haven't even given him a chance to be himself. And I haven't ever forgotten that scene. And I realize that there's been a lot of ways I haven't even allowed Mikey to be himself or to show up for me. Um, just based off of my the conversations I haven't had with him that concern him and concern good black men in quotes. And I just urge anyone to also do the same because um, it's important to know, to give people the chance to love you and, and to, um, and to stop stressing yourself out and to be willing and open and, you know, receptive to, or to be willing and open to confess how you feel. And so he definitely gave me the, the position to, the space to confess and I've also been inspired to um I've also been inspired to act in allyship for for other black people who who have it really bad and for me that is every black person in the LGBTQ community especially trans women and in a lot of ways I've always done this or I've, I've always been acting in allyship um on a small scale with you know family and friends but in terms of like on a broader scale what does that look like to to do for other people, especially people who need it? And that's 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 creating a lot of conversations between me and God in terms of having the strength and willpower to put up with these conservative Christians, these people who aren't really Christians, to be quite honest, because um, who are who are complicit in a lot of the deaths in the LGBTQ um, IA community. And it's been really um, inspiring me to. <sighs> stand up for what is right her death which is so sad it's so awful you know that even in like death she's working you know or like being put to work (sighs) i think that loving ourselves and holding people accountable especially black people especially black people who think they're christian is lifetime work and i think that i want to be humane and i want to protect people and do what I can to protect those who need protecting. And I want to stop living in fear and in silence. And I want to just do better. And so these are like all the random like thoughts um, that Toya's death caused, caused me. And I'm really angry because time and time again, we keep getting killed. Black black men keep killing us, you know, and we have to we have to talk about it. We gotta figure it out. And I think that two things can be true. I think that it can be true that white supremacy is the root of all evil and <laughs> and needs to be eradicated and broken down and dismantled and everything that means gone. And it can also be true that black men gotta do better too, you know? And what does protecting really look like? And I that I've been seeing after she died, I've also seen a lot of black men come forward about, you know, how they owe her and how they've how they've um, done a disservice to her. But these same black men are also perpetuating lots of hate with with um, and they're perpetuating a lot of hate and and making it seem like being homophobic and transphobic is okay <laughs> and I I it, it's blowing my mind it's blowing my mind and I'm like y'all still missing it you still missing it and so as a black woman I just feel like it's part of my responsibility to just stand the fuck up because because 
we gonna be the ones to save ourselves and that's another thing i've realized like i keep waiting for certain conversations to happen around me familial and in life and at work and i realized that i have to stop waiting for people to rescue me i have to stop waiting for people other people to do right and to stand up and to speak up and i really have to do it well i have to act in the space where i have to act when i can and and like when i'm when i should and i can't keep waiting on people to do it right i can't keep waiting on people with larger platforms I can't keep waiting on people with more followers. I can't keep waiting on people with more money or who who may be smarter than me in some ways. Like I have to woman up <laughs> because it's necessary. And and so I and I want I just want us to be better. I can't have what am I trying to say? Um I am trying to say that in short, Toya's death and how she was killed and how she was treated it was my big 2020 shift. I think that for, again, like I said, for a lot of black women, it really, really shook us. And I don't mean to stay down, down about her death in a way that immobilizes me. I intend to honor the work that she was trying to do here before she was taken from us. And that means I have to woman up and I have to talk to Mikey about the ways he harms me and I have to be open to getting feedback in terms of like you know being held accountable for essentially lying by omission we're supposed to be married (laughs) and we are and and still I find ways that I have been negligent negligent in and like and how I treat myself in terms of having conversations with him that would actually make my existence a lot more easier to deal with while in a marriage and and how I've been and I also have how I've been I don't know distrustful or how I've been how I've also uh falling into the trap into believing that black men maybe are so aren't good even though I say they are and I've, I think I'm realizing that I I'm not like honoring this friendship that I have with him by being quiet and by not giving him the space to show up. <sighs> I'm not sure if that makes sense. I didn't write any of this down, God, Jesus. Anyway, I I don't know how this is going to sound. I'm going to edit it and see. <laughs> I'm maybe going to use it, but protect black women at all costs, especially trans women. And we got to do better. And I know I got to do better and I got to speak up and I have to be brave in the ways that she was brave. And I just hope that um, I hope that I never forget her and the the effect her death had on me and that I can use it, not use it, but I can take what she was trying to do here on earth and what and how she used her platform to continue the work. Root Insurance is all about you and how you drive. In fact, that's the number one factor we use to give you a better price, which puts you in control. Just download the Root app, hit the road, and we'll take care of the rest. The app measures your driving behavior and gives you a custom rate based primarily on your driving. The better you drive, the better your rate. It's car insurance made for you. Visit joinroot.com today to get started. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details.
Um, so that's my episode. <laughs> I am currently reading Homoeroticism in the Biblical World, a Historical Perspective by Marty Nennison. I think that's how you say his last name. I had the book by me, but I took it to the room because I was reading in bed. But I, it, the book was recommended um, by a former classmate from my college. He was actually a year under me. He is currently in school for ministry, I, I want to say. But he put a call out on Facebook that he was tired of Christians being homophobic and transphobic. And he recommended two reads. One was homoeroticism in the biblical world. And one was sexuality in the black church i want to say and it was a womanist perspective so i think that that was geared towards black women and how our bodies are policed and and how this purity narrative is really messing us up um but i decided to go with the homoeroticism pick because i had just at the time i was reading eloquent rage by Brittany cooper and she was talking a lot about black women in church and sex and i felt like you know i should mix it up and and so I did. And so far, it's really good. And it's he's tracking homoeroticism from Mesop- Mesopotamia to scriptures in the Bible and all of that. And I think I'm reading it so that I can know how to confront Christians <laughs> who spew hate. I also have been finding that the older I get, the further away I feel from Christianity and maybe not even Christianity, the further I feel from Christians, uh, because I realize as I, the older I get that a lot of Christians want a lot of people to die. A lot of people, a lot of Christians are complicit in a lot of deaths. A lot of Christians want a lot of people to go to hell and, and aren't making their churches safe for people to come as they are and for people to be safe and loved and I do not know everything. I do not know the Bible back and forth like a lot of people, like my grandmother, you know. But I do know I have a relationship with God and that grief has brought me closer to God and really changed my interaction with God. And I think that on so many levels, Christians are getting it so wrong, so wrong. And especially with the homophobia and transphobia. And and so I'm reading this book and it's really good. Um, It's a little dense. In terms of like you need to be fo- like you need to be focused. Ain't no reading it while Frozen is on, you know. <laughs> At least not for me. I need to be like in a quiet room where I can retain and listen. But it's been I mean read, but it's been um really interesting just tracking the stories and places where homoeroticism pops up in the world and how and and how it's always been here, you know. And people have always loved who they love. People have always had sex. <laughs> You know, it's just it's just really um, profound so far. I'm also reading a fantasy novel, book three of The Will of Time. And, and so I'm going back and forth between those two. And I'm probably going to pick up a third because that's been my escape lately. Working out and reading. So, yeah, I recommend that book. And, yeah, I think it's good for everyone. And not just for people who want to act in allyship, but a lot of people who think they know god in the bible i think you should read it and um yeah finally i'll leave you with this it's a quote by Brittany cooper who is the author of eloquent rage a black feminist discovers her superpower i've already talked about this book on my personal instagram page and it was i really 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 enjoyed it (laughs) 
it was a really good book but anyway um and i highlighted so many quotes on my kindle but one of the ones i like to leave you with is this one may your rage be a force for good what you build is infinitely more important than what you tear down when the struggle feels unwinnable may you never forget this one thing you got this we got this For ad-free and edited episodes, as well as exclusive early and extra content, join us at patreon.com slash Black Millennial Marriage. The Black Millennial Marriage podcast is a Domino Sounds network. Submit questions or feedback for the next solo episode. Email us at blackmillmare at gmail.com. That's B-L-A-C-K-M-I-L-M-A-R at gmail.com. Or leave a voicemail at 770-750-4098. And that voicemail could be featured on a future episode. Let me know what you think about the episode, y'all. This was not the plan. Um, people on Patreon, y'all got production notes for a whole other episode. Maybe I'll do that one later. But let me know your thoughts. Be sure to check out our website, www.blackmillennialmarriage.com. And follow us on social media platforms. On Instagram, Mikey is Mikey underscore XXI. And on Instagram, I am Randy, R-A-N-D-I-I-I-I-E-E-E. On Twitter, we are at underscore the Chapmans. As always, y'all, be blessed. Don't settle and fight clean. Peace. About time that I get back, yo, I'ma get back. We can hold it down. Oh God, I'ma get back, yo, I'ma get back. And we can hold it down. Yeah, this the fourth year in the promised land. Watch it, I promise. Root Insurance is all about you and how you drive. In fact, that's the number one factor we use to give you a better price, which puts you in control. Just download the Root app, hit the road, and we'll take care of the rest. The app measures your driving behavior and gives you a custom rate based primarily on your driving. The better you drive, the better your rate. It's car insurance made for you. Visit joinroot.com today to get started. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.